Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about DC Comics tonight, specifically the DC Comics released on the 20th of September 2017. If you haven't read those, pause the podcast, go read them and come back, because we're going to spoil some stuff. But first, we have a little bit of news. There were two uh, creative team shifts announced since we last spoke, and um, one of them is incredibly exciting, so we're going to start with that. Starting in December... The new creative team on Justice League is uh, writer Christopher Priest and artist Pete Woods. Uh, I know I'm a big fan of both. Pete Woods has not done a regular DC book in some time, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right, boys? I don't think since um, the last thing I remember him doing regularly was um, Vibe. Wow, that was a long time ago. Yep. He he did uh, didn't he do fill-ins on uh, Batman Beyond recently? Maybe I think that, that sounds right. That's yeah. where we've been seeing um, him, I think. But certainly, you know that that's a great fit for a Justice League book, and we we like dreamcasted Christopher Priest doing uh, Justice League a while back, and I don't think any of us really expected that to really happen. And here we are; it's really happening. This is happening, folks. Um, how stoked are you guys about a, a priest-written uh, Justice League series? I have Pete Woods from it. Let me tell you, <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, can't top that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, th- this is the dream, right? It. Um, I mean, if I can't have Jonathan Hickman yet. <laughs> I can at least be satisfied in knowing that, like, the writer of the best book at DC is taking over Justice League, so that's pretty good. You know what I thought of when I first heard this? What's I that? mean, after I was done crying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought, like, how did this not happen sooner? You know? Like, why? why has Christopher Priest not been writing, like, Justice League or the Avengers or something, you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, to be fair, he wrote Justice League Task Force in the '90s for a, a good chunk of time, and he had written maybe Justice League International as well, a couple, a couple arcs on that. So you know, I, mean, but, I don't, I don't remember. I wasn't around to know like how prominent any of that was, though. I, that that was fairly prominent, especially the international stuff would have been fairly prominent. Um, yeah, but you know, but I mean, it, it, point well taken. I also think sometimes people need to go away before somebody realizes how special they are. And you know, Priest took a, a pretty sizable break from comics before Deathstroke. And I think, you know, I don't know if that's an indictment of the current writing talent that Priest goes away and all the talent drops, so his talent seems so much greater, or if it's just a matter of, you know, absence making the heart growing fonder. Or whatever, you know. I, I don't know, but I mean, it's great that he is writing Justice League, and I hope it's for an extended run. They did not announce if this was a short run or an extended run, but I can't imagine them putting a name of that caliber on the book and then pulling him off after four issues. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I've never read um, any earlier pre stuff. I don't think off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. So I don't really have a gauge for 
his his like older body of work but it, i'm also like continually amazed at how kind of like modern and like on the pulse of current writing styles you know like he feels as relevant and current as anyone else out right now so he did some great great green lantern stuff before he took on the priest gnome de plume when when, when he was still jim owlsley he did uh, a, a fair amount of of green lantern stuff that was really really good and that was the only stuff that i was only dc stuff that i would say i was familiar with you know where if you if you said to me like you know name what priest had done for dc i would definitely say that above the justice league task force stuff or whatever that was sort of his biggest dc assignment at least to me before uh deathstroke but yeah he's um he's so good this is going to be great yeah yeah i'm very excited did you hear the first yeah, arc uh... is uh, is like one of the major plot points is that Batman is sleep deprived and fucks something up? Yes, which is like, <laughs> I mean, has has that not been done before? I, I I imagine it hasn't, right? I can't remember anything like that. And that's one of those things where, like, okay, we don't. We we realize that these superheroes are, uh, you know, all all work all the time, all business. They don't have time to sleep, so that's not something that you always want to make like a, a focus on. Mm-hmm. But to use to use that as the basis of a story seems like a pretty ingenious idea, <laughs> especially for Batman. You know? Yeah. I'm really interested to see if the lineup of the team changes at all. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of hope it does. I think we've all thought that this current iteration feels a little um, safe and... Uh, it's like the mildest like variation of like the Big Seven concept, only with two Green Lanterns for some reason. And yeah. Amira. Yeah, well, and we didn't. That's you know a recent thing. We didn't start off with that, right? Um, but yeah, well, I'd the, love to see him bring in some really interesting, you know, kind of left field picks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other bit of news is that with the report that Tim Seeley was taking over Green Lantern as our Green Lanterns. I almost said Green Lantern Corps, like it's 2009 or something. Um, the uh, We got the, the news last week that Sam Humphreys is taking over uh, Nightwing, and he's doing so with Bernard Chang on art. This likely means that either Bernard Chang is leaving Batman Beyond, or the rumors are true, and Batman Beyond is being canceled. So, I, I um, think Batman Beyond's done for. I think it has to be done for. Done diddly done for. Um, Thank you, Flanders. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about this, guys. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Nightwing has been really good, and we're gonna get into that a little bit later tonight. Uh, but Nightwing's been quite, quite good, and Humphreys 
at DC has has only really done Green Lanterns, and so I'm basing my expectations on his Nightwing on his Green Lanterns, and I. It's going to be tough. Anyone following Sealy is going to have a tough job to do, but I feel like Humphreys, in particular, may not be up for that task. Yeah, well, at least uh, we'll have a, maybe we'll have a good Green Lantern book for a while. That's true. I felt I, I think that's a fair trade off. I you know I think it's a great trade off because I think I, I'm ready for Green Lantern to be like exciting to me again, you know? And I feel like if Sam Humphreys is going to be there, I haven't, I haven't 100% given up on him yet at DC. And if he's going to be there, I'd rather try to give him a fresh start and like maybe new inspiration than for green lanterns to just keep going the way it was going. That's very fair. And let's be honest, we've had a long We've had a long run of really great Nightwing stories going back to great, you know, Grayson. And even before that, like the new 52 Nightwing was for the most part, pretty good. I thought when Kyle Higgins was writing it, yeah, it was, it was a good title too. So, you know, I, I'm hoping for the best, but if Nightwing kind of falters a little, uh, we've had a, a lot of good Nightwing for a while. So. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I know I know he's one of your favorites. But... He is. He is. That's right, though. Uh, but speaking of one of our favorites, uh, I think all of us are fans, but Vince's is the biggest fan of this next announcement. Uh, so Gene Lu and Yang, writer of New Superman, tweeted today that the series was supposed to wrap up after 18, and then he said, but... And then he just put, uh, like, shocked expressions of uh, the Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman of China... And uh, they had, like, their mouths open and all that. So that book is continuing in some form. I wonder if that means it's going to be a Justice League of China book instead of a new Superman book, which I'd be fine with. Um, I just want to see those characters still around. Um, are, are we all a little bit surprised this is happening? I'm, I'm actually I... not. Really? Yeah, I... Uh... I think that this book is doing really well, and they they I, I feel like it would be. I mean, not that DC doesn't make bad decisions, but they've been on a streak of making really good decisions, and I I think it makes sense for them to continue this book in some way. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there, Zach. Um, I would say I'm only surprised because usually, like my pet favorite comic at any given moment at DC gets canceled inevitably. <laughs> so um, you're still butthurt over dial H. I, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. You want to, you want to know something funny? Um, I saw someone today tweeting about department H, which I think is that that's a dark horse, right? It's a Matt, Matt Kent. Kent. Yeah. 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 I saw someone tweeting about that. And for half a second, I read it as dial H and thought, <laughs> Thought that it was back. <laughs> that it was back and good again. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, but but no. Um, I'm a little bit surprised only because I feel like it's uh, it's so rare that a a book full of new characters. And again, I know that 
Superman and Batman are not new characters, but these iterations are new characters. It's so rare that a title based on a new character like that gets 10 issues, let alone 20 issues, you know, and, uh, I mean, good for DC. I think it's a smart move. I think it's, it's, I see very little downside unless they're losing money hand over fist on that book, which I don't think is necessarily the case. Uh, so yeah, congratulations to Jean Yang. And I don't know who the new artist is going to be. Uh, it could be, um, who's done the last few issues. Um, Brett Peoples. Yeah. yeah, but before that, it was Billy Tan. Billy Tan. Yeah, or it could be Victor Bogdanovic coming back after his action stuff run uh, wraps up. We don't know, but yeah, congratulations, Gene. You're a good dude. That's a good book. So uh, we're going to go into the metal zone here. Um, I guess we should call this uh, That Metal Show. It's a VH1 classic joke for you guys out there. Yeah, you can uh, you can put a a, a a drum crash in there or a rim shot or whatever yeah. you want to. Um. Hey, a- Eddie Trunk is from New Jersey. He's kind of fat. There you go. Wow. It works. You're you're really losing people here. <laughs> <laughs> I lose no one. Um, but so uh, we'll talk about the the two metal tie-ins from this week. Do you want to talk about the Nightwing issue first or Batman: The Red Death? Let's do Nightwing. Let's let's put the tip in first, and then. <laughs> okay, uh, this is part two of the Gotham Resistance, written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by Paul Pelletier, and uh, the you know each each of these Gotham Resistance titles are about this um, this ragtag team getting through one layer of this maze. This week is uh, Mister Freeze's layer, and. Uh, I really like this issue, guys. I like this issue as much as I liked any metal tie-in thus far. Interesting. N- not not metal proper, but right, uh, I, right, yeah. Uh, what did you think, Zach? I thought it was good. I thought it was really good, but that in- I, I guess I'm kind of tipping my hand at which uh, tie-in I liked the best this week, um, but. I thought this was this was good. Um, it, um, you know, we've talked about having Suicide Squad overload, and this issue still has more Suicide Squad than I cared about. <laughs> but, but it wasn't bad. It was fun to like, kind of fun to see them playing off against the Teen Titans. Um, I kind of thought, isn't Captain Boomerang like a really bad guy now? And like, didn't his arm get chopped off? Did I make that up? He's back and he's bad again. He's back and bad again. Yeah. Man, I can't. I'm that Suicide Squad book. I'm so lost. I don't even know. I feel um, like last week he showed up and somebody was like, "I'll never forgive you for killing Hack, but welcome back" or something like that. I I vaguely remember that. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um. But no, yeah, this was fun. Um, the kind of game of thrones riff was uh it they actually like didn't Seely didn't overdo it as much as i kind of expected um with the whole like nightwing as john snow thing (laughs) 
I really enjoyed. Oh, sorry, Vince. What did you think of this issue? Before I go into it, yeah, um, it was okay, but I guess I would have been fine not reading. Like if like, I don't know. Um, I I liked this issue for some of its smaller moments and aspects than I did for you know any tie-in that it may have to metal or. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's very additive to the metal. Oh, it's not at all. No, no. Obviously, it's it's it exists because metal exists, but I don't think it has much impact on it at all, which is fine. Um, but uh, but I liked I liked some of the moments like um, the wound on Dick's head from the Doctor Hurt knife, mm-hmm. um, like cutting open again and sort of just being there throughout throughout the entire issue dripping blood on his forehead you know um i liked the outfit that dick had to wear because of the cold mm-hmm. it remind it reminded me of like the batman toy lines from the 90s where absolutely they had all the yeah yeah and and like the paul peltier's uh art style and just the way it, just the way the team came together, and the way that that outfit looked, and it all just felt very like classic DC to me. Like there's a there's a panel where Nightwing is shaking Ollie's hand, uh-huh. and you, if you told me that that was from 2009, I'd believe it. You yeah. know, and I like that. Like that sticks out. That stands out to me, and. um so there, there was a lot that while I was reading this, I got a kick out of, but then I kind of got to the end and I was like, eh, that was really nothing, you know? <laughs> well, I I really enjoyed the Dick Damien stuff, which I always like. Mm-hmm. Um, Seely's great at that. He is. Uh, I also enjoyed Green Arrow basically saying, like, it's nice to have an adult here when Nightwing shows up, <laughs> you know? And uh, just the general respect that Ollie gives Dick, I feel like, is... Uh, is is again like a classic DC thing. I, I I feel like the idea of the heroes respecting each other and not just bickering all the time is so lost in so many modern comics that it's nice to see that. Yeah, and it was you know we had talked before I think in text when DC announced that like prelude to metal paperback or something, and it included that issue of Nightwing where yeah, 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 he gets yeah. stabbed and we were kind of wondering like okay well what's the connection there and this clears that up um, you know that 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 knife wasn't showing us necessarily like other worlds in the multiverse but possibilities in the dark multiverse yeah which oh, was an interesting interesting like seed plant back then that I wouldn't have necessarily expected yeah it's a great observation, Zach. Oh, I try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, this is totally inconsequential. We talked about this last week, how, you know, these are the best kinds of tie-ins in a, in a way because you don't feel bad if you don't read them and you don't, you know, it, it doesn't make people go out of their way to read more than just what you're what you're required to read, as it were. And uh, But I, I really enjoyed this issue quite a bit. Uh, well, that brings us to the the second metal tie-in of the week, 
which is Batman the Red Death number one, which is written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Carmen A. D. G. Domenico. And uh, this is sort of the origin story of one of the Dark Knights of uh, Barbatos. And uh, Zach, I want to let you start with this one because you seem to really enjoy this. I like this a lot, a lot more than I expected to. Um, I guess you can kind of break it up into two chunks, like the origin story and then the the modern day stuff. And the origin story wasn't necessarily like anything we haven't seen before, really. But there were two parts about it that, that I really liked. One, just how over the top and like true to the metal theme that it was you know like batman driving like the dark knight returns tank that's been like mashed up with the cosmic treadmill and he's just like (laughs) splash chained to the front of it (laughs) um but like also the kind of pseudo crisis tie-ins um kind of getting into this this felt like a this felt like a dark crisis book you know in in like the truest sense and i thought that the like present day stuff was really interesting um with like dr fate intervening and um yeah i don't know i just really really liked this vince what'd you think of this I loved it as well. Um, Like way more, way more than I should ever love a dark Batman. (laughs) Like, like the, just the idea of these seven tie-ins or however many there are tests my patience, you know? So for this book to win me over as much as it did, it was uh, something. But as soon as I saw Bruce with the Captain Cold (laughs) goggles, I was like, "Oh God, yeah, this is this is perfect," and um, and the moment Zach mentioned with the treadmill, uh, kind of <laughs> modified onto the Batmobile, just it's just wild stuff. Like I I love how one thing I love that Snyder is doing that these other writers seem to be embracing is the idea that that Batman is a dangerous psycho, basically. <laughs> Only he's a good guy, you know? And now in this comic, I realize that he's, he's playing the bad guy. Like, he's this version is a bad guy. I understand that. But, like, t- to me, when I read a writer do it this way, it's like, it's not a stretch to imagine Batman as that person in a different world, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just, it's not just like, well, let me compare it to, uh, Barry in the flash right now being infected by the, the dark, the negative energy, you know, Mm -hmm. we haven't really liked those issues very much. Right. And it's because it's because to me, none of it feels like Barry and that I understand that that's the point and that's why it's supposed to be dangerous and scary for the characters, you know, but, but I don't, there's nothing to tether it to a character that I recognize. Whereas when the, what the writers have been doing with Batman, whether it's Scott Snyder or 
Joshua Williamson now is like creating this bad version of Batman that is not all that far off from the real version of Batman that we that we know and have complicated feelings about, you know. Um, so I think that's that that's really key to my enjoyment of this issue in particular. And then I also think that this is uh, D.G. on Domenico's best art in a while, and that's saying something, you know, like because he's stellar. But uh, just the the panels, the the one page where the panels are like disappearing into the Speed Force is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this issue looks incredible. Um. I also think it's interesting, like an interesting little wrinkle that 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 other Barry is still like a part of this Batman. Oh, Firestorm! Cool. Yeah, it is sort of Firestormy. Barry Storm. Barry Storm. Yeah. Uh, this issue left me incredibly cold, guys. Oh my god! Man, I don't. <laughs> I I felt like this was just like this is like DC candy right here. I mean, I mean, look, it's it's fine. It, was it's that a, fine. Was that a Captain Cold joke, by the no, way? No, no, no pun intended whatsoever. Um, you know, it, it, it's fine, right? It, it's not a bad issue. It's it it looks gorgeous. It does exactly what it's supposed to do, I guess. Uh, I just feel like, like when, when I was when when I was a younger man, I loved tie-ins like this. I wanted to know like every possible detail about every character. In every crossover, but the older I get, and and maybe it has to do with like the the limited time I have to read comics, or maybe it's just my tastes have changed. But I feel like there is nothing in this issue that that is really necessary to enjoy this character in the pages of the metal book whatsoever. Oh, but like I oh, when you say it's just fine, I I would put this maybe almost on par with any single issue of metal that's come out so far. Oh no way! Yeah, I think it's I think it's really really good, and I, you know, maybe it's not one hundred percent necessary to understand the story, but I think like getting, I mean, there are things that happen that I feel like will be picked up on later, like obviously Doctor Fate snatching up Barry, and and there's stuff that I feel like will get touched on in the main series, and so it's cool kind of having that. I feel like this will have way more relevance than the than the Gotham Resistance. Oh, arc. certainly, certainly. But I had more fun reading the Gotham Resistance stuff. Ah, uh, well, I mean that's fine. I had I had more fun reading this. So, yeah. yeah. Um, can I point out just a couple more things? Sure. Yeah. I loved the way that they depicted. You know how in the multiversity and i think jeff johns may have, or gary frank or whoever the artist was may have depicted this in the rebirth rebirth number one too but you know how they depict the multiverse as these planets right next to one another yeah i, I like how on the first page of this they depict that too but for the dark multiverse essentially so like you see those planets crumbling but it's the same iconography mm-hmm. right i just thought that was kind of of a, a cool way to like tie it to all the 
um, you know, regular multiversity type stuff that we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, and then also this is, so we see Earth 52, right? And that right. was, was, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that one of the four or so Earths that weren't defined by the no, multiversity map? Actually, I don't think that like in this like 52 Earth structure, there's ever been an Earth 52 because it's 0 through 51. Oh, I see. What, yes. So this is, yeah. Okay. Okay. That was, maybe that was what I was, all I know, all I knew is we hadn't seen it before. Yeah. I was wondering, and, and I'm almost positive that I'm incorrect about this, but when, when you look at the, um, the way it's, it's written out there, it almost looks like it's Earth negative 52. I kind and, of thought that as well. And maybe that was the designation of the dark multiverse. Yeah. I kind of thought that too. I I kind of second guessed it because yeah, I, I'm not sure. Earth, well, later we saw the Earth zero and it has a dash, but like, and this is getting like super nitpicky, but like the Earth fifty two has like a space. Yeah, the dash is between, for, is closer to the fifty two than it is to the yeah, Earth. Yeah, yeah. So I I kind of agree with you. I think it maybe is like a negative fifty two, which I mean yeah. it would make sense for those to have like negative. Because if they had, and if they had two dashes there to indicate that, that would just look crazy. <laughs> really weird. Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think you're probably right. I think it is a, a negative Earth. Well, that again, blows, that blows uh, my mind even more. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just like love this because it, it like, I mean, anytime multiverse stuff is happening, and anytime that they have to tell you what Earth something is taking place on, love it. <laughs> love hooked, it. Done. So <laughs> then, then can I suggest something else? Yes. Maybe Earth negative fifty two is like the direct, like the the upside down of Earth zero. You know. I see. I, yes. <laughs> like maybe, like you know, the prime Earth. Mm-hmm. Like, like maybe the direct opposite of that is negative fifty two. Maybe there's an actual like structure to this. Oh man, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I like this. The only like thing it. is, I I feel like I've gotten the impression that the dark multiverse doesn't have like it could be infinite. I yeah, I believe you're right. I believe uh, Scott said that on the show actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know when she flips the 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 map upside down. It's just it doesn't look infinite to me. It's just the back side of that map. It's all black. It could, be, it could be anything. By the way, I didn't watch. I hadn't watched Stranger Things until after I read. Met my my wife and I just my wife. My wife. Uh, <laughs> just just watched Stranger. We like watched Stranger Things in anticipation of the new season coming. Uh-huh. And when they, they have you guys seen that? Yes. Okay. So they flip the the D and D map upside down to yep. like, sh- sh- and I'm like. That's metal. <laughs> like, did Scott Snyder like literally take that from Stranger Things? Yeah. Or was that also a uh, Judge Dredd thing? Oh. <laughs> it's really funny how many people I see like saying how cool the um the Batman who laughs looks, like how. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 
we it's better funny. tread lightly or Brian's not going to get his interview after <laughs> issue three. I mean, I think we all it it has to be like an homage, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. I think it would be hard to get through the various people that would have to get through without there being one dread reader in that bunch. Yeah. But that's right. I know I I I, I, I love you Scott Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the best. I I don't think this was a bad issue by any means. I really don't. I I guess I just feel like if it's going to be an inconsequential tie-in, I would rather it be about characters that I care about, I guess. Does that make sense? Like, I, I care about those characters way more than I could ever care about Batman the Red Death. Yeah, you hate fun. I get it. It's That's me. Old grumpy Gus over here. I'm really surprised that you didn't like this. It's not that I didn't like it. I just I'm, didn't I'm love it. I'm really surprised that you liked this less. Yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised. Gobsmacked that you hated this so much. <laughs> well, nothing I could possibly hate will equal a book we're going to talk about how much Vince hated when we come back from our break <laughs> in just a minute. <laughs> oh, man. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at MultiversityComics.com. So let's dig deep. We are back with our reviews of the rest of this week's books. We're going to go alphabetically here. Um, oh, crap. I closed the window. I had a pronunciation of the Aquaman artist's name ready to go. Um, but that's Sufjan all right. Stevens. Yes. Uh, we're going to start with Aquaman, 28, written by Dan Abnick, illustrated by... I'll look it up later. Uh, Stepjan Sayik, or however we're saying that. I'm so sorry. Your artwork is gorgeous. Um, to me, this might be the most consistent book DC's putting out right now. Every issue is just super enjoyable, continues to tell this ongoing story that is really interesting to me. This issue had some fun stuff with ghosts in it. Uh, I really dug this issue. Boys? This issue was very, very good. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I I love that we've consistently gotten the Sayic Sejic art. Um, I'm hoping it gets through this entire arc without having a fill in, because uh, this will make for, I mean, this will make for an Aquaman arc that I would love to have collected in like a small trade or something that that I could show anyone you know, who thinks Aquaman is lame and not have to give them a Jeff Johns decompressed Aquaman story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cause oh, here, here we go. It's, it's step, step and shake. Step and shake. He has it spelled out phonetically on his Twitter, on his Twitter page. right? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like we're in the red room right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, to be uh, fair, that gum you like is back in style. Just put that out there. So. That, that art you like is... Uh, yeah. Um, no. And the, my, only, my only complaint about this issue is... <laughs> so, when we see uh, Garth and Mira uh-huh. talking... Does he not just say like exactly the same thing that he said in the last issue to yes, her? Yes, he does. They, yeah, I was a pupil of the silent school as a child, Mira. I have not forgotten the fundamentals. This is bigger than me. This is the fate of Atlanta. I will do my best. You know, like I, I feel like th- I almost thought that page was just a complete duplicate from the last issue, um, but that's a very minor like i i loved so much about this issue i loved the fight between uh aquaman and crush mm-hmm. and and how all the fish like say say does a great job of showing you how you know the joke about how aquaman controls fish you know could actually be a terrifying thing in practice yeah. And completely effective in battle too, you know. Like Oh, you, you mean Black Lantern Aquaman summoning the zombie shark didn't do it for you? <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. Nobody nobody goes around calling Black Lantern Aquaman lame. <laughs> All regular Aquaman. Lame. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have a bit of Black Lantern Aquaman later on in this episode. Mm. Mhm. We'll talk about that later, though. We will. Yeah. Um, I, I loved Volko. Well, Volko was so great. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. Having to... Neptune's balls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the, the best curse. Yeah. <laughs> having to, having to like, identify all these specters uh, in order to get them to leave them alone, you know, uh, was such a nice... It was just, it was just a really interesting original scene, and... Um, I can't believe that hasn't yeah, been done in something else before. Like I mean, maybe it has, but I've Judge never seen Dredd it. Or something it probably just read, but I've never seen it. You know, it's a great idea. Yeah, and um, and I like I like what Aquaman's kind of going through right now. Like when he sits down and he explains, you know, kind of what happened to him and how he's going by Orin now rather than Arthur. Just as like a a change in identity because he's given up on his previous one, you know. Yeah. But he still calls himself the Aquaman. I thought that was interesting. I am Orin now, the Aquaman. Well, um, I, I I think that, and maybe I'm reading way too much into this. I kind of took that as that in Atlantis he was always known as Arthur. Right. And, and that. The king. Yes, and the king, and that Aquaman is like his surface name. And so while he yeah. takes on Orin, which is his Atlantean name, he's also keeping his surface name. He's just renouncing his kingship, essentially. Right, right. That was just a really well done scene. Yeah. Absolutely. I uh, I love this book right now. I've said this, I think, on the show. I know I've said it on Twitter. I think this might be the best single Aquaman arc of all time. Mm. Now, I have not read every Aquaman arc, so I am a little bit unprepared to back this up. But I can't think of another arc that I've read 
that was this good. I I could get behind that for sure. Um, I would be really interested. There have been a lot of weird kind of um, shakeups in some books. We might be it might be almost time for us to do another top ten here in the coming weeks. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll do. Uh, we'll, we'll find a time to do it, but yeah. All right. I can't wait to hear Vince talk about this one. This is Batman number 31, written by Tom King, illustrated by Michael Janin. And uh, we get more of the handsome Joker and the handsome Riddler. Stupid, Stupid sexy. sexy Joker. Yeah. <laughs> we get uh, truly a war of jokes and riddles this week. <laughs> and Vince, take it away, boy. I'm running out of ways to say that each issue of this book is the worst issue <laughs> yet. Um, when I opened this up, and the very first page was this full-page picture of Handsome Joker saying, a year from now, will you remember me? Right there, I was like, fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> I don't... Here's the thing, guys. To, to me, this is just the worst because it's literally more so than the previous issues have been. It's literally the Joker and the Riddler trading incredibly lame, age-old jokes and riddles in this slow, pause-filled super serious Tom King dialogue. It's the entire issue is that the Joker takes two pages to go to tell a knock, knock joke to make this guy tell a knock, knock joke where he says, you know, a second from this moment, will you remember me? Yes. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who? But I thought you said you would remember me. The pa- I mean, the, the pacing and the seriousness with which this is done is so suffocatingly corny that I can't take it. And then on the, on the next page, he's like, the Joker's wielding this knife, and he's looking all crazy and psycho, and he says, what do you think this is? Some sort of joke? As if that's like the deepest, as if we've never heard the Joker say that before. Yeah. As if it's some profound thing for him to, you know, mockingly say, what do you think this is, some sort of joke? Because I'm the freaking Joker, right? Like, I'm the dang twisted Joker that, you know, like, it's not profound anymore. They're making it seem like it's so serious and, and epic and profound. And then he does, like, the joke later where he says, you know, why did whoever, who cares, throws through the watch out the window. He wanted to see time fly, you know, but he does it in this like slow, serious pause filled menacing fashion. And we're not supposed to think that it's absolutely cornball and ridiculous. I I don't, (laughs) it's terrible. I can't, I can't believe this was, this script was submitted 
the same as every other book, Vince. No, 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 no. This is way worse. <laughs> I, I, I will give this issue a couple of things. Number one, it got it, it sort of resolved our issue with Batman, the Riddler, and the Kite Man's son from last week. We said, like, it's ridiculous that Batman would sit by and align himself with somebody who killed another person's son in cold blood for no reason. And, like, this shows that Batman is not cool with that and that there was a plan in place here. So I, I, I'll give it that. It, it tied up a loose end we complained about. I will also say that, um, you know, seeing Kite Man actually have a role besides just being, like, the punching bag was not the worst thing I've read in this book. That's about all I've got, but I don't think that makes it as bad as, like, the first couple issues of this. There's one page that makes it the worst one yet, and that's where they all fly in, and the Riddler says, cows go. (laughs) And the Joker says, cows go who? And then the Riddler can't remember how the rest of the joke goes. Because he goes, he goes, no, you, uh, what was it? You twit. Cows go moo. No, it's got to be your bull. <laughs> I'm glad that Tommy Boy joke landed. <laughs> uh, Zelensky tire brake pads. Yeah. Um... No, but but that's why 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 is he saying that? Like, well, isn't that an ex- I, I, well, isn't that a I, direct callback? Trying to remember what? Yeah, he's trying to remember what the Joker called him in like the first issue or something. Yeah, it was the issue. Wasn't that the nine course meal issue that he called him adult? Twit, 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 whatever. I thought that's, it was like in the beginning. That's not even memorable enough to you know what I mean? Like, what? I don't. I don't. It's. I just can't reckon this super serious standoff between these two like serious looking. There's, you know, they're not. There's got to be some great like Joker Riddler slash fiction coming out of this, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on the page here. It's, it's got <laughs> so, what like, I'm reading. What I'm like really struggling with is if like okay, so if Riddler is like this like you know like shirt ripped open like Cromarty High Hooligan what anime trope is is like kind of like cute well dressed sexy joker what's his like I'm trying to think I don't even know isn't there some isn't there some like sexy angsty tsundere clown character there's there's gotta be Um, I I guess he's like Yagami yeah, yeah. So yeah. you've got Death Note Joker and Cromarty High Riddler slash fiction. Like itself. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, there's a groan on every page of this comic. The cows go moo thing is just the end all be all of how bad this comic can get. I, And I don't want to hear from anyone that that's the point, you know. Don't don't at us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> don't at me. Don't at me to say the point is they're saying ridiculous things that sound stupid while looking sexy and serious. 
because <laughs> I was so angry after reading this, you guys. Oh, I know. I was so, <laughs> I was so, your phones were lighting up. I I'm I'm think I'm somewhere between you guys. I don't I don't think this was like any worse than any other issue. Um but I also think it has like absolutely zero redeeming qualities at all, so um yeah. I mean to be fair, my redeeming quality was it tied up a plot point. Yeah. I, I at least next issue we find out if she's gonna say yes. Do we find that out next issue, or is that just when this wraps up? No, I think I think next issue is the the one we've all been waiting for. I think that's like in the solicit or something. That exact that exact phrase. Where do you think they register for wedding gifts? Um, Bed Bat and Beyond. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's travel over to batwoman number seven fear and loathing part one uh written by marguerite bennett illustrated by um fernando blanco and uh what shouts out to the title of this issue by the way uh bats oh yeah (laughs) yes uh, this is the first Bennett solo write on this book that not that Tynan is not part of, which is a bit of interesting trivia, I guess. I don't know. Um, I thought that the art in this issue was quite nice. I thought there were a couple of interesting uh, moments. I uh, I'm still enjoying this book. I, I just I guess I sort of wish it was moving a little faster. It's a little decompressed for my tastes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was okay. I think this is definitely some of Blanco's best work. I um, uh, I thought, yeah, I thought this was some of Blanco's best work. I liked this issue a lot. Um, there's something about this comic, though, with all the jumping back and forth that it does. Um that I, f- I find it hard to get on the same wavelength with. Um, I like so much of what I'm reading and seeing, and I like that it's doing different things with Kate than what we've seen, you know, <clears throat> when Rucka had the great run with her and then um, the J.H. Williams stuff and beyond. It-, it was all kind of on this same wavelength sort of, Aside from the vampire stuff, which was was that post J. H. Williams? Yeah, that was um Mark and Draco, I believe. Yeah. Well, everything else has kind of been on this same like paramilitary wavelength, very much about her relationships and family, you know? And this is still about some of that, but it's expanding out to situations and places that we haven't seen before you know it's taking her out of very familiar locales and things like that you know Mm -hmm. and i'm really digging that but kind of the 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 shifting chronology or like the 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 
the the flashing backward and forward in time to show us different things is just I I find it hard and, and maybe the problem is I'm reading 15 comics a week you know yeah but I find it hard to dig my sink my teeth into it you know I agree with but that I, yeah but I like a lot of what's here you know um I I love the stuff about um the 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 roses and the what were those foxes or mm-hmm. or whatever that ended up getting bled out just yeah there's just so many cool little scenes and i just i just wish i could keep it straighter in my head maybe it's the me problem i don't know i don't disagree with any of that i think that the book is uh i i gotta put this nicely I think that the writers are more interested, or I guess the the creators are more interested with Kate's past than I am, and that's part of the problem too. Is that I don't keep track of the past so much because that has been universally the stuff I'm least interested in in each issue, mm. and so you know I'm not relishing those trips to the past. So maybe that's why I'm not following them quite as well. Yeah, that's a good. That's well said. Uh, Zach, anything to add? Mm, no, not really. I I was thinking about this earlier that uh, it's still sort of amazing to me that how can I put this that this character has managed to have such a life of its own. Like obviously, she has connections to Batman and to the Batman universe. But the last couple of, I mean, almost almost all of her solo books have not taken place in the, even if they've been in Gotham, they've not been dealing with the same thing that Batman has been dealing with. And I think this is a really great example of how you can spin a character off from a existing franchise and not just have it feel like the little sister of that franchise. Like, I think Superwoman is awesome. I really love Superwoman as a book. But that book is so dependent on Superman mythology. And they've made Kate into enough of her own character that they don't have to lean on that past mythology. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Bug. Bug number four by the All Reds, written by Lee, illustrated by Mike, uh, colored by Laura. A lot of dead men in this issue. I don't know if this issue did it for me. I agree. This issue did it so hard for me, guys. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> there, there were things about this issue that I really liked, but it it just felt a lot wordier than some of the other issues. Um, I, I don't know. The whole back half just, I didn't care. There's so much randomness for randomness sake by the end of this. Yeah. That's sort of, I don't want to say that's the point. I hate when people say that, but like that is sort of (laughs) part of the story that's being told here though. It's not just, you know, with the exception, I mean the auctioneer guy just like having essentially being like an AI of, uh, of bizarre phrases. Uh huh. Yeah. Aside from that, I think everything else was purposely that way. 
That's a trope that, by the way, that I just can't like. When I read it, it seems so. <laughs> you know, the character that just like shouts out random phrases mm-hmm. that that's been done in sci-fi like so often, and like they, I there's at one point he says omelette du fromage. Mm-hmm. That's from Dexter's Lab. Like you can't use that again. <laughs> that's you know, like. You're ripping off a, 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 I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I just don't. I yeah. this was too much randomness. I get that that's what's been going on. Like Bug is drifting through these very random situations. Um, shards of reality. For, forager. I don't know why I call him Bug. Because that's his <laughs> He is a bug. Yeah, but like. I don't know. I can only take so much of that before it's like there's not there's no ground here, and I f- sometimes feel like in in com- when comics do this, all of a sudden the character, like to move on in the story or to move on to the next issue, the character comes to a re- revelation for like little to no reason other than we need to move along now, you know, and it's like all of a sudden. Forager knows what to do. He knows what he needs to do or knows what's going to happen next, you know? And, uh, I'm just not a, like the comic is beautiful, but I'm just not a fan of stories that do randomness for randomness sake like this. Talk about somebody hating fun. Yeah, exactly. I do. And, and, and Tom King's Batman made me this way. (laughs) Uh, no, I, I think this might be, might be my favorite issue of the uh, series so far. You're twisted. I, I am. <laughs> I'm the dang Joker. Um, Wait, you, you know why this was my favorite issue so far? Why? Because James Harvey's backup was so good. Oh man, that was that was great. Um, I was just thinking about that guy the other day, and here he is, James Harvey. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that in a second. I, I just want to say my last point on this book is that um, this, to me, feels like very much the All Reds combining all the stuff that they love about DC into one book. And I, I think what helps my enjoyment of this book is that I think we have similar tastes in what we enjoy in DC. Like, I love Dead Man. Love me some Dead Man. And so I was super thrilled to see him as a big part of this issue. And... uh Love the Manhunters. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in this issue that just I feel like spoke to my particular interest, and so perhaps that's why I enjoyed it so much. But uh, yeah, you guys hate fun. Cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was accused of it earlier, so there we go. What goes uh, around comes around. Exactly. But yeah, the James Harvey backup was really, really cool. Interestingly put together. And uh, I love that Young Animal is allowing these little backups to exist for no reason other than they want them to. They don't have to connect to anything. They don't have to be, uh, you know, they, all they have to be is an interesting backup story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, and you get a guy like James Harvey to do that. It's just so gorgeous, and I love the w- I love the way that it's 
a full page each time, but split into sections because the characters move across it. Mm-hmm. It's just so well realized. Um, man, it's good. It is really good. I feel like we are living in the golden age of uh, store of artists using the orientation of the page in unusual ways. I think we see that way more now than we ever did before. Yep, I think that's true, yeah. Maybe I'll even credit Greg Capullo with Batman number five being the book that did that. (laughs) Was it number five? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you're talking about, like, yeah, mainstream comics. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to another book you guys probably hated because you hate fun. Uh, Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye, number twelve. <laughs> by... I didn't like this book. <laughs> Th- this was this was the best issue of Cave Carson yet. This was so great. Uh, written by Gerard Way. Say, what did you say, Zach? Zach didn't I, like it. Yeah, I didn't like this. You didn't like Cave Carson? I mean, I've been pretty down on Cave Carson for like the last few issues. Oh, written by Gerard Way, illustrated so by John Rivera, illustrated <laughs> uh, by Michael Avon Oming. There you go. You don't right. have to do that. Everybody knows. Not everybody knows. Let's 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 just fight, okay? Let's just okay. fight. Let's let's get mad at each other. Listeners have wanted this. Yeah. <laughs> so Zach, what's, what's your problem? You? I just like <laughs> I just like I just like haven't cared about this book in like three or four issues, and I thought I mean this issue was fine. It wrapped everything up. Doctor... It had some what? I was going to interrupt you by saying Dr. Magnus fixes Cave's nudie pen. <laughs> he does. Uh, also, Wild Dog gets a, a, a uh, rocket launcher and says, this is the best fucking day of my life. <sighs> Keep going, Zach. Hey, I mean, I, I... I really liked this book when it started, and then it did something halfway through and I just kind of stopped caring a little bit. And now my favorite part of the issues are the Bane coloring book pages. <laughs> Cause Bane's come in all shapes and shi- shapes and sizes. They are, they are multi Bane. That's for sure. Multi Bane. It's okay. fine. I hate fun. No, I really no. do. So Zach, I have, I have been with you on this. I think we've agreed the last couple times that this story was just kind of getting away from us and but I think I think there was so much heart in this issue in particular. Like whether it was um the way that they restore uh Cave's wife. Ma- Ma- Mazra. Yeah, I was trying to think of her Cave's actually. wife. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. The way that they restore her, and then and then letting her go at the end. That's and... part about that restoration scene, by the way. Again, Wild Dog saying, "You were the only one who liked my demo tape." Yeah, yep, yep. And uh, you know, Cave having these realizations about his family as he watches the alternate versions of himself and his son, or whatever. Uh, interact you know and sort of resolve everything and it just felt like a really like heart-filled resetting of the deck 
so to speak. And kind of kind of like the perfect capper I needed on a arc that that I agree, Zach, I wasn't feeling as much as that first arc. Um but man did it win me over with this particular issue. Yeah. I think that Michael Ivan Omen again is doing the best work of his career perhaps on this book. The the layouts in this issue alone were so inventive and so fun. The you get everything is nicely tied up, but there's still a lot to consider for future stories. As Vince said, there's just so much heart in this. You know, talking about the the memories of everyone else being implanted into her to to sort of like fully form uh, Mazra or however her name is pronounced. It was a that was a beautiful scene. Um, yeah, I I really really love this issue. But I've also probably been the highest on this book of the three of us, so this shouldn't be surprising that I love this issue. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what Milk Wars means come uh, 2018. When the book yeah, returns. so we that was in. Um... Oh, because because of Milkman Man. That's right, why. That's, that must. That's the. Is that going to be the name of the crossover? I believe so. Yes. Okay, because I think that was at the end of um, Shade as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, that, yeah. that is the Justice League versus Doom Patrol uh, stuff with Milkman Man, I believe. Oh man, can't wait for that. Yeah, so now we, I, I think we've got two more issues of Mother Panic remaining, and you know, one day Doom Patrol will get to issue 12. Well, I believe Doom Patrol... They all got pushed back a month as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe the Doom Patrol 12 might come out like the same week as the Doom Patrol (laughs) versus Justice League thing. Okay. But we'll see. It it was supposed to be like a four-month break. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, Did either of you guys read The Future Quest Presents? I did. I did. Yeah, what do you guys think of this issue? This is this is pretty enjoyable, I think. It's not it's not shattering any earths, that's for sure, but but it's enjoyable. It's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I Even- I was a little I was a little shocked at the uh reveal when they pulled off Space Ghost's mask and he's an old man. Yeah. A conservative radio talk show host. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Biting my tongue for now. Um, No, I... uh, It's it's bizarre that I like an Ariel Olivetti book more than a Doc Shaner book, but I I enjoy this more than Future Quest proper just because it's more focused. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's just... There's a... A simplicity to these stories, and we're able to get to know these characters in larger chunks than the three or four panels we maybe got in issues of Future Quest. Um, but yeah, I'm still not a huge fan of the artwork here, but it's not as offensively bad as uh, as Olivetti's artwork has been in the past. So yeah. I guess there's that going for it. it it's decidedly not as stiff, I think. I think, like, particularly when they're fighting that 
giant like crystal dinosaur type thing Mm -hmm. it's decidedly i mean it's it's not all that fluid but it's also not as stiff and posed there's a lot of different movement that is suggested than what you normally get from aerial olivetti art i think this is this is approaching because I, I've always thought that they're kind of in similar schools, but this is approaching maybe some of my like so, some of the lesser endeavors by like Ben Oliver. How dare you! <laughs> I, I knew you were gonna piss Brian off with that one. I mean, like I'm saying that this this looks like not great Ben Oliver art. That's what I'm saying. When has there been not great Ben Oliver art? Done? Sometimes I think his stuff looks stiff in the same way that Ariel Olivetti's does. I mean, they have that kind of like same like muted, like kind of photorealistic. Brian's about to go off. They do. They like, okay. Like there were times that the new 52 bat wing series looked like this. I will fuck you up, son. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely see what Zach means. I will fuck you up, too. (laughs) It's two against one, my friend. I edit the show. I edit the show. What Zach just said is sometimes I poop my pants. Well, good luck finding realistic audio that sounds like him saying that. Uh, I'm a master of mimicry. All right, I will will make this happen. Think about how many hours of audio he has recorded of us. I'm sure at some time I've said those words. (laughs) And all he has to do is splice them together. Luckily, I have an army of interns who catalog every word we ever say with a timestamp. So... uh... (laughs) We all know Brian has the most free time in the world to go search for all those <laughs> yes. words. And... Yes, exactly. Uh, well, okay. Uh, I have to say, I, I will, I will, I will give you dipshits this. This is the most we have disagreed on an episode in a very long time. We're doing really well. All right. Uh, I'm just that... looking at. I'm just looking at pages from Ben Oliver's New Fifty Two and and. Uh... Oh, uh, the, the the GI combat story he drew. Oh no, the bat. Oh, no, wait, I'm that, the bat no, that's stuff. Olivetti. But, yeah, I know that was the joke. Oh, okay, I got you, got you. I thought maybe he really did that. No, <laughs> I'm just trying to see how heated we can make. Hey, hey, Brian, you, you're pissed, aren't you? You're heated. And you know what? Uh... And Oliver did in the new Fifty Two that I loved. Everything, the, the multiversity. Uh... No, no. It was that the Lobo Marjorie shit? Bennett Lobo yeah. issue. <laughs> it looked so good. That pretty Lobo. That pretty Lobo. Stupid, sexy Lobo. Yeah. <laughs> I could never quite figure out how to pronounce it, but I used to write it like emo Lobo, like em Lobo. Em- Lobo. Yeah. Emobo. I don't hate it. 
Oh man, what else can we disagree about? Well, let's see. We got, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more books, so we can find something here. Okay. Um, this brings us to Green Arrow number thirty-one. I feel like we're going to agree a lot here. Probably <laughs> uh, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Otto Schmidt. Uh, best issue of Green Arrow so far. It's up there close. for sure. Yeah. This whole arc has been just fantastic, but. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, this was great. This was um, this is kind of where we thought it was going, you know. Mm-hmm. But man, did I I think like first of all, they went the Spider Man Homecoming route with it, right? Haven't like, seen it. No spoilers. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Um, Zach, I'm you've not seen actually it. sure if I get the reference. Oh, well. I, I don't want to spoil it for Brian now. Yeah, just leave it. I guess let it be. If only there were ways for us to communicate when it's not all three of us on the air. Uh, yeah. Eventually you guys just stop responding because they're all about how much I hate Batman 31. <laughs> that, so. that, that is true, possibly. All right. um, but no, uh, I thought this issue was, was really strong. I thought there was some really, really great Ollie Hal stuff here. And stuff that felt like reasonably heartfelt from those characters, which don't always, um, you know, a, a lot of times I guess the uh, the sort of the cynical broy relationship is what's highlighted from those two. But there was some there was some really nice like friendship moments here. The the page with them like sitting in the wreckage and laughing, mm-hmm. you know, that was such a great page. Uh, on Otto Schmidt's part, uh, Ollie just reaching out at the end to grab Hal's wrist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's like the bond that they share was felt there both like physically and metaphorically. Really well done. Yeah, this book goes monthly as of now. Mm. Uh, and I think that this puts it in a good position to, to, I don't want to say reset itself, because it's certainly not, but, you know, puts it in a position to, to do some interesting things now that now that there's this sort of uh, slightly different status quo with, with Oliver, you know, as part of the Justice League, but not part of the Justice League, and with the entire team being together, you know, Emmy and, uh, and Dinah and Ollie. Yeah. Yeah, which, like, the stuff with Dinah and Emmy in this issue was maybe some of my favorite. Yeah, I agree. I I had this thought when I was reading this issue that one of the things that Rebirth has done that I think is is maybe uh, under-talked about is how almost every single title has established really great Supporting casts. How in the New Fifty Two, I feel like nobody's supporting cast was was as fleshed out as like seven or eight different Rebirth titles are fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Like this is yes, this is a Green Arrow book, but you get almost as much Emmy and Black Canary as you do Green Arrow. Um, in Deathstroke, obviously, there is so much with the supporting cast. In the Flash, we've had a lot with the supporting cast. You know, just, these are. 
Aquaman. You know, these are these are just there's there's so much focus on the world of these characters, and I think that's so great. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, Otto Schmidt did some amazing stuff here. I loved the sequence of the Justice League members realizing what's happening and then like breaking into action. So perfect. Because, you know, Clark is being Clark. Uh uh Diana I mean uh, Diana is uh, like in DC in some like, government facility. Barry's working and then Bruce is already in costume <laughs> like on patrol, <laughs> you know. Uh just perfect representations of those four characters. Um, I would love to see Otto Schmidt on a Justice League book. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's DC Catnip, baby. DC3. <laughs> I don't know what's DC3 Catnip anymore, man. Everything. Mo- most things are. Yeah, well. I uh, know. Excellent issue. Very, very good. Yeah. Any other comments? Nope. Zach? I I will say the only thing I... Here it comes. I, this is like the biggest nitpick. I thought that the like last page setup for the metal crossover was kind of weird. <laughs> it was weird, but I like... It was just an extension of Ollie being part of the team now in an informal way. Mm-hmm. Which I was just like... Yeah, it's one of those cheesy superhero things, but... Well, it it was mostly just, like, if I didn't know that that's what it was, like, talking about, I would have... Like, I don't know, the, like, it ends with him, like, beating Robin up, and, like... <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. It just, like, doesn't, it doesn't really, like, make a lot of sense. I think it's just there for the tiny subset of readers who aren't reading Metal, but are reading Green Yeah. Metal. Yeah, but it's like, and Batman's like, there's something you should know about Robin, and then, like, like there's some kind of, I don't know, it's just like, did either of you get that vibe, where, like, it it seems like it's setting up something that, and maybe it is, I don't know, but I don't, I don't know, it just felt, it felt like a really weird ending to this book. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, the... Him saying if there's one thing Green Arrow knows, it's how to handle teenage sidekicks. But the image that's corresponding to it is so menacing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's like way over the top. That was like my only qualm with the whole issue. I'm sure we're going to have some more qualms with Green Lantern's number 31. I yeah. did not like this at Written all. Written by Sam Humphreys, just... illustrated by Ronan Cliquet. I, I don't even know <laughs> so wait maybe is this something that i'm supposed to have known the whole time is that is that ring that that uh that voltim has is that the is that the um phantom ring yes is that the that's the laminsky special no no i believe this is like the first ring the first lantern ring yeah but it's so similar to the Phantom it, Ring. It might be the Phantom Ring. I mean, he he borders on Leminsky a few times in this arc. 
Yeah, let's, this let's... feels like Leminski Redux, but without the, the true Leminsk. Right. <laughs> Is it just me, or or was it like um, Sam Humphreys didn't realize that he could use Volthum, so he made up Frank Leminski, <laughs> and then someone was like, you know, you could have just done Volthum. Right. And no one gives like... a fuck about Volthum. <laughs> And, and then Humphreys was like, I got another story for you. <laughs> Second verse, same as the first. This um, was this was such a waste, you guys. Um, yeah. If there was one redeeming thing about this arc, it was those handful of really original Lantern characters, you yeah. know? The ones who all died? Who all died and were all just cast to the wayside. And like... Let's let's never do anything. It's like it's almost like a promise. Like we we promise we'll never do anything interesting that like that again. Let's, you know. Let's just compare this to like Green Arrows because so like we have like two thirty-one issue arcs that wrap up this week. Um, which obviously like Green Arrow is going to keep going, but I mean if it ended here, it it could have ended there. You know, yeah. like um, that was pretty much the the wrap up to everything. For well, for the most part, that um, that Percy's been doing, um, and then you have this like this doesn't feel like the end of like a solid run, you know, at all. Yeah, I mean, it feels it is the is the is the next issue. Tim Seeley? No, there's no. a wait. Maybe it is. Does it because this book's not tying into metal? It's Hal, right? Yes. See, Let's see. Th- this to me just it feels like he is like saying goodbye to the title. Yeah. Just the la- just the last page, like oh, we're going home, you know, and like, <sighs> man, none of that feels earned though, like. I feel like you know one of the things to ask is about after thirty-one issues, what has been added to the uh, to the like the Lantern story? Like again, going back to Green Arrow, I feel like there's so many things that were added to the Green Arrow, like to to who Green Arrow is in not just overall in DC, but in Rebirth. Like I think that the where Green Arrow started 31 issues ago and where Green Arrow is right now, the character is in very, very different places. With this stuff, like, what what has changed in the Lantern mythos? Jessica is slightly more confident. Uh, Tyranner is now a character that might pop up again sometime in the future, but probably not. Is there anything else? Emerald Sight, that bullshit Emerald Sight. Yeah, you have that, the power yeah. to access the Emerald site. Yeah, we we do still have two more issues of. Oh, actually, yeah. no, no, we have one more issue. One more, okay, just one. I I don't know. It's just it's just there's so much here that doesn't feel earned. Like when when Simon's like, "I got my ring back," and I'm like, "I I guess I didn't realize he lost it." Or like, I mean, I did, but it didn't really feel like, it didn't feel like they were hampered in any way where all of a sudden right. it was like this, this catharsis that he got his ring back. I want to say catharsis like uh, Kevin Spacey's uh, William Hurt 
impression of your <laughs> yes. catharsis. <laughs> but like, like I didn't buy that. And like when when she's like, "Do you remember the words to our?" Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, no, it's not literally said in, like, every other issue of a Green Lantern comic ever, you know? We don't literally hear the oath as much as possible since Jeff Johns has been writing these characters, you know? It would be great if you could see him, like, mumbling along to it. Like, you know, he he doesn't quite know all the words. Brightest day, blackest night. Something, something. Uh, More rock and roll all night. (laughs) And party. Every day. Yeah. Uh, Vince, did you read Harley Quinn this week? I skimmed it. Anything of note to talk about? Um, This was the week of Scarecrow. Scarecrow showed up in... uh, Was it the Red Death? Mm, Yes. Batwoman also. And yeah, in Bat Red Death Woman. and Batwoman. And in Batwoman, and he is also the final page reveal of Harley Quinn. Um, which was weird. Like, this character who's seldom been used in Rebirth so far is all of a sudden a major player in three three issues <laughs> in one week. It was weird. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. That brings us to Justice League number 29, written by Brian Hitch, illustrated by Fernando Pissarin. Um can I, can I just point something out right right off the bat before we seri- seriously talk about this? Go for it. There's, there's a line in this issue where one of the future teens or something t- talks about how the, you know they're, they're Hunter's like, we got to kill Wonder Woman, you know? Mm-hmm. And the, the the Green Lantern one says, that's Wonder Woman. We can't fight her. And then the, I don't know, I don't remember whose son this is, but says, it's like trying to fight Superman. <laughs> so, like, it's just funny, like, saying that trying to fight Wonder Woman is like trying to fight Superman. <laughs> like, yeah, no kidding. They're both super, that's like saying, like, you can't eat dog shit. That's like, <laughs> that's like eating cat shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just such a, a stupid and redundant thing to say. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. This also is maybe like the third or fourth time I think in as many years that I feel like we've gotten like a Tower of Babel type thing where yeah. like oh man Bruce you've been uh you've been naughty. trying to kill everybody again I like that Lois was like we're going to have a talk about this yeah <laughs> no they're not <laughs> it's never going to be brought up again um but oh yeah, what I mentioned earlier. Did you guys? Is, maybe we've seen this already, and I had forgotten. But this, uh, the future Aquaman has a Black Lantern ring on. I believe they mentioned that in the first issue of this arc, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember, but uh... which makes me wonder 
if he's like serving this sovereign character and if sovereign is wonder woman and she got like absorbed by this black goop stuff is this like a necron thing is this like a black lanterns thing that would maybe be interesting that will be interesting i could be down with that this issue was fine it didn't really add too much to this story it just moves it along a little bit more um yeah i did sort of like the idea of uh aquaman like leaving his hand out there for Barry to punch when he like comes to essentially. <laughs> yeah. 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 I still liked this pretty yeah, well. I I thought the scene I thought the stuff with um Mara and her future daughter was good. Um I thought the art was pretty good. Yeah, I I really like Fernando Pastorin's art. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a panel of Aquaman towards the end, the one where he's saying no, never you that looks like almost quietly esque. Mm-hmm. This is I feel like we've said this before. This is a really good arc that would be amazing with with a writer and I'm giving I'm going to give Hitch credit for like coming up with all of this and you know I think it's structurally sound but like with a writer that could just tighten up the dialogue more you know it could be something really special it's just not quite there agreed Let's move on over to Super Sons, number eight, written by Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. And uh, this is uh, part three of the Planet of the Capes storyline. I have to admit, I sort of forgot what happened at the end of last issue initially, and it took me a little bit of time to remember where these guys were. Same, yeah. Yeah, I I remembered where they were, but this took a turn that I didn't expect. Does that make sense? Like, Sure. Yeah, definitely. I thought this was like a Teen Titans-centric arc, and now it's like very much not that. Well, that kind of wrapped up the end of last issue, right, where they said, like, you're welcome back anytime, kid. Yeah, but, it, I mean, it's kind of weird that that wrapped up, but this arc is still going, Yeah, you know? Yeah, it doesn't feel like it's part of the same arc. But I feel like there's a lot of imagination here that I wasn't expecting. Like, like I thought this was just going to somehow continue to be a, um, like I thought somehow the Titans would be folded back into this, or it would just continue down that line. And what it did in reality was basically introduce an entire new set of characters. A new planet. A new planet, and really big crazy ideas that final page is so good <laughs> where there's like that towering kaiju or something yeah you know? and all these essentially like x-men <laughs> <laughs> storm is there storm basically. is there 
the the beast, except he's a dragon. Um, Skinny Supreme. <laughs> yep, yep. Like way different than where I thought this was going, and I think I really like it. I mean, I can't imagine not liking this book. The panel of John giving that kid who's like hiding behind the rock. Yep, the thumbs up. The thumbs up. If I wasn't so attached to my Twitter avatar that I've had forever, I'd make that my Twitter avatar. It's so good. Um, I loved the scene of John trying to sleep and like Damien can't. He's too busy thinking about the mission. And he steps down and he pours the glasses of water and he's like swirling it in the moonlight. It's like, he he like looks like a detective handing someone else a glass of rum or something, you know, like a hard drinking detective. But I, I don't know. It's so good. I like that he finally starts to listen to John on this issue. The, the, yeah. he, he gives John the slightest bit of credence. Yep. And Jorge Jimenez, man. Oh, so good. One of the top three artists DC has right now. I feel like uh, Rebirth has been a big coming out party for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a big coming out for a lot of artists. Absolutely. Um, But yeah. Really, really fun issue. Like you said, different than what I expected, but but really quite enjoyable. Let's um let's make sure that this team stays on this book for a while. Amen, brother. Alright. We we agreed on something. We did. We did. Uh I have a feeling we're gonna agree on Superman number thirty one as well. Written by James Bonney, illustrated by Tyler Kirkham. Uh I uh I w- I was a little surprised by how much I didn't like really dislike this issue mm. but I also just like it's you know take it or leave it. Yeah, it's sort of nothing. Yeah. James Bonney was on a panel for DC recently and he said that he felt that Deathstroke was the one character that did not need rebirth. Okay. Now, he says that as the person who was writing Deathstroke pre-rebirth. So, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Um, and uh, I, Whatever gets me Christopher Priest Deathstroke is fine by me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, like reading this issue, I don't think there's that much different in his Slade characterization than what Priest does like in the broad strokes. It's just not quite as nuanced. Right. Yeah. This this is fine. I'm kind of sad that it's taken up my Superman pages, but to me, better Superman do? pages than Deathstroke pages. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. See, I. Oh, I'm way more negative on this than you guys. I just don't think that. This this feels like a leftover story from another time, from when James Bonney was writing Deathstroke. Wow. Well, I was going to say that. There, there's a line in here where where Clark says to Lois, you're John's mother. Uh-huh. Aside from that, 
there is nothing in this issue that makes it rebirthy. It it really feels to me like um you know, somebody at DC was like, I know you had some scripts left, James. Can you can you doctor them up to fit what's going on right now? And then they were like, Well, wait a minute, <laughs> Deathstroke doesn't isn't killing anyone right now. Okay, we'll put an editor's box in that says it takes place before, you know, three or four issues of Deathstroke ago and everything else will be fine. And I just feel like I feel like this is such blatant filler. I couldn't get on board with it. I mean, it is, right? Yeah. That's that's part of the problem with the uh, the double shipping is that occasionally you get arcs like this. And some of those arcs have been a lot of fun. Some of those arcs that were going to be throwaways were actually super fun. Um, this is not one of those. Yeah. And Kirk, oh man, Kirkham, I think we talked about this the last time we saw his art, but he's one of those guys that when I hear his name, I think I'm going to like the <laughs> art. And then like I start to read it, and then there's like these like very uh, lacking in detail, like almost manga-esque faces, and I go, oh, no, I, that's right, I don't like this. I've decided he is close in style to the bad Philip Tan. Yeah, I can, sure, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, let's let's move right along. We have a few more books here to get to. To Trinity, number 13, the second part of the Dark Destiny arc, written by Rob Williams, illustrated by V. Ken Marion. Um, so this issue had a couple of really nice moments, I think. It was much better than the last issue. And it sort of sets up maybe a fun thing for the third part of this arc. But it's still... This book has fallen so far from when all three of us had Trinity in our top tens after one issue. <laughs> Let's put it that way. That issue was pretty great. It was. <sighs> yeah, like, oh. This just feels so inconsequential. Like, and just... I mean, this this is filler, but it acts like it's should it like it's more. I liked the bit about the luckiest thing for humanity is who found Superman. I really liked that. I yeah, that was a yeah. nice a nice little hat tip to the Kents, and uh, I think the Kents are often forgotten in the Superman mythos for whatever reason. And I think that using Superman's weakness to magic should happen way more than it does. Like, you would think that if people realize that the one thing that the most powerful man on the Earth is not immune to, it's magic. They would have magic people fighting him all the time. So much magic. So I like that part as well. Uh, other than that, there's a little bit... You know, one of the things we left with that first issue was the friendship between the three members of the Trinity. And you get a little bit of that here, like when uh, Bruce throws... I mean, uh, Clark throws Jason off Bruce and says, get off my friend. Like, it just... it just There there are little moments like that where I say, okay, I like that part of this book. But you also get uh, Constantine, like, monologuing to himself and shitting on Star Wars. And, uh, you know, that doesn't fly in my house. Yeah. 
the um the creature coming out of Superman's S symbol, that whole thing is so deliciously nineties image that I couldn't handle it. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> um, looks like um, Kate Kane. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, at one point, Dead Man looks like uh, Bat Boy from the Weekly World News. <laughs> I heard he got married. Good for him. Yeah. It's about time. He found love. We all deserve Every- love. Invitation to love. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else to say about this? Uh, uh, well, how long is this like this? I think at least one more issue. <laughs> That's a wonderful way to say it. How long is this like this? <laughs> uh, may I make a programming suggestion for us? Sure. Can we flip flop the last two issues so we end with the Wildstorm? Yeah. Sure. Why are we gonna fight? We're we... gonna fight our oh no, God. no not about the Wildstorm. No, no 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 no. I just don't want to end on the downer that is Wonder Woman Conan. Oh, so we're we're gonna fight right now then. Also, really, really quick, we have like two more issues of this, but then we're still on we're still on the Rob Williams train. Okay. Oh boy. So he, so, so DC exclusive Rob Williams really snuck on to Trinity and nobody really said anything. Like he's, he's basically the writer there now. I wouldn't trust Francis Manipal to finish a text message at this point. (laughs) That guy drops off projects so fast, but But he does so many like variant covers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, right. Brian, you, you didn't like Wonder Woman Conan. Well, let's get to that. Written by Gail Simone, illustrated by Aaron Lepresti. This just felt like every other book of this type. There was nothing that set this book apart for me. I, found I it, don't agree. I found it pretty oh, I, dull. I agree 100%. I found it pretty dull. Yeah. I I thought this had more in common with Batman and the Shadow than than those typical crossovers. Sell me on it. Well, I thought it was interesting that they are suggesting that Conan and Wonder Woman could be tied some way back going back to their childhood. Well, but I think this is like I thought the way I read that is there's like some other girl from his childhood and yeah, he thinks I, that Wonder Woman is her. I think that's what it's going to end up being, but I just thought that was a really interesting I thought that was a really interesting suggestion though. You know? It's uh, kind I'll, of, it's I'll kind let you have it. I like how this night has turned into like you guys liking things and me just like <laughs> Hey, I didn't like stuff you guys liked. Yeah, you're right. You you did you did the one time you did the one thing, but I feel like every other time it's been like you guys like something, and I'm like, okay, I'll let you. Have I don't it. like this. Well, I know, but I'm not saying okay. I, I'm just saying that I'm being a real downer. The whole I'm okay. consistently being a downer. 
Um, I can't even keep track. All I know is Conan horny, Michael. Yeah. Yes. Conan certainly horny. Uh, I Conan also is fucking Mo from the Three Stooges saying, "I said quiet," and then hitting that guy on the head. Like that is that is totally a Three Stooges moment. Um. <laughs> he's got the hair to go with. He it. does. I'm telling you, he's he's Mo Howard. A uh, wise guy, eh? Uh, uh, Aaron Lepresti's art is just—I mean, it's fine. It's—he's—he's he's a good draftsman. He does nothing here that really excites me. Um, the book just kind of plotted along for twenty pages, and then, uh, yeah, there's going to be more of it, I guess. Well, I liked it, but I, I I have a soft spot for for Conan too. Um, that do you guys do you guys like Conan at all? I like Conan O'Brien a lot. <laughs> uh, not not as funny on TBS, I'll say. Um, give it a shot, bud. What's that? Give, give him a shot. <laughs> He's still doing uh, good stuff. No, I I have no real affinity for Conan. He's nothing without Brian Stack. But a bubble. But yeah, I um, I I, I have no real affinity for that character. So, hmm. what I do have affinity for is the Wild Storm number seven. Oh baby, written by Warren Ellis, illustrated by John Davis Hunt. Uh, is this the best issue of the series so far? I think, uh, I, I think that up far. I think that about every issue of this. So. That's true. This is so extremely my shit. Yeah, this is this is very good. I don't know if I'd say it was my favorite issue so far, just because there have been some really really good issues. But um, what I liked about this issue a lot is sort of the commentary on the banality of working in an office. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Which is which is not a new thing for Ellis necessarily, but it was incorporated in here very nicely. Yeah, and, all those episodes of the office that he wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of of a Michael Scott or Dwight Schrute joke that Ellis would write and I can't I can't pull I'm, it right now. I'm thinking about like Jim Halpert encasing uh Dwight Schrute's <laughs> Uh, subconscious in a thing in a jello mold instead of um no it's the pacing of this comic fascinates me yeah I'm like you read it and it's it's almost like you're watching moments happen in real time it's kind of like the motion comic thing that Zach was talking about with Mr. Miracle a week ago or uh-huh. two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you, 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 if you just like skim through these pages, it's like it's happening in real time. And so often in comics, that effect slows down a comic or decompresses it. But with this comic, like, I, I guess because it's reintroducing these very common Wildstorm 
tropes and characters and concepts and and just deliberately reintroducing them that I'm just so fascinated with the pacing that it's doing that with like it it really wants us to get inside and understand how all these characters and organizations relate to one another and what the stakes are and it's willing to do that at a very comfortable pace would you say at a medium pace <laughs> just put this shampoo bottle up uh, my yeah uh, and we are just <laughs> weird as the uh, a '90s reference machine tonight. Um, no, that uh, the the two or three page spread where the uh, where John is discovered as being someplace he's not supposed to be, like the action sequence. John Davis Hunt does such an incredible job with those with those pages. Um, you know, like the action is a little bit disorienting, which it should be. But it's but it's not like the crazy schmoz fighting we get sometimes. Like you know, it just it's great. It's it's super violent. We get a lot. We get a lot of brain shots here, um, but it really it just works so well. It's the uh, it's the fight scene from Inception where the room is like yeah turning. I also felt that this issue did a nice thing where. Um, there's that scene where they kind of like quickly recap who all the major players are and what their what their role is. Like you know, okay, so this person tried to kill this person, blah blah blah. And I feel like it it could have easily read like just reminding the audience of what's going on, but it was written in such a way where it did refresh your memory a little bit, but it didn't feel like they were just retreading old stuff. It didn't feel like what we were just talking about in. Uh, in Aquaman, where last issue, essentially Garth said the same thing he said in this issue. This didn't yeah. feel that way. Right. That's yeah. Well said. Yeah. Has there ever been like a Halo, like a like an actual Halo from the Halo video games in the DC universe? Because <laughs> now there is one. Halo's canon now. Halo is canon. DC canon, even though I didn't, didn't Marvel have the rights to the comics for like a minute, or was it always Dark Horse? I think it was always Dark Horse, but I just realized something. Steve Trevor is Master Chief. You're right, he is Master Chief. They've called him that. What if, what if it's not Watchmen? What if it's Halo? (laughs) Hey, okay, Marvel did have Halo for a hot minute, because Bendis wrote it. What? Yeah, Bendis and Maleev. What? <laughs> I love Maleev. That sounds insufferable. Was it just um, Master Chief talking to Cortana for 20 pages? And arguing Cortana. with her? Cortana. Cortana. Cortana? Cortana? Cortana. Wait, Cortana? You mean Cortana. Cortana. What? What is the Halo? Where where is the Halo? Where's the Halo? Halo? Why is the Halo? We're talking about Halo. Halo? Halo. <laughs> it's a Halo? It's a Halo. We're dangerously close to this being a Tom King uh, <laughs> too. No, they're more then it's more like Court. Chief. Chief. 
Court. Chief. Chief. Court. Well, folks, on that note, I think it's just about time to wrap up tonight's show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. And um, next week, we get the beginning of uh, A Lonely Place of Living with the return of Tim Drake. And we'll have a short interview with James Tynan the fourth to pair with the show. So keep your ears peeled for that. Uh, Multiversity is going to be hosting all the previews for A Lonely Place of Living. And we're going to have a little excerpt from that um, Tynan interview in that preview. So check that out if you haven't seen it yet. And uh, you can find the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I, witnessing and documenting the last days of the 2017 Brewers. <laughs> and I'm at SirFox89. And we'll see you right back here next week for more DC Podcast. Good night. Yeah. <laughs>